You're listening to the Geriatric Mamas Podcast with Jessica Raziri and Sonia Tapley. We're live. (laughs) (laughs) Well, welcome to week 30, well, episode 32. I guess it's also week 32. You're right. You're technically right. I mean, it was great. It was great. Last week while we were recording, Annabelle was in swim class and that's all she's talking about. Oh yeah, about how did she go, how did she do? Oh my gosh, she absolutely loved it so much. She had her like they have three kids to a little section of the pool and they each have their own instructor. So, I mean, she was in heaven. She got a lot of time in the water and I feel like she's going to be a pro within like 4 weeks just the way they do it. It's so cool. It's at Goldfish in Portland. It's really cool. So cute. Yeah. Um, yeah, I know you sent like the video. You're like, I thought Mike was going to be in the water. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I thought I totally thought Mike was going to be in the water with her, but it's like an actual instructor. So that's yeah. awesome. Mm-hmm. I know we need to get Hayden involved in like a little gym or like swim or something, especially with like the pools at his aunt and uncle's and then mm-hmm. also like at his grandparents house so he's gonna be now that he's especially now that he's walking so yeah he'll love it absolutely (laughs) need to make that happen it was a great week guys it was awesome yeah this is the highlight I think this is the highlight for sure (laughs) yeah oh actually something did happen well it's not Hmm. really like a positive um so Gemma it was like Friday night she fell off the bed and she like and like I could see her in like the shadows of like the light outside. Mm-hmm. She like landed because like basically what happened is Delilah thought she heard something. So she mm-hmm. jumped up and she started like growling at Gemma being all like mm-hmm. up in her face. And then Gemma like went to like move back, but she lost her footing and she fell mm-hmm. off the bed and mm-hmm. she didn't land right. She landed like on her back and like Aww. where like the bed and the wall is, I saw that she hit part of the wall too. Mm-hmm. This is like day two that I'm monitoring her and she seems mm-hmm. to be getting better. But if like mm-hmm. by Monday she's still kind of yeah. acting out, then I'm going to obviously have to bring her to the vet. But I'm just like, come yeah. on. It's like always something. It's I like know. It's so hard. Yeah. It's so hard because with animals, they, obviously they can't talk. So you're just like, I know. Um, is this a situation where you need to go in or are you yeah. going to be okay in a few days, you know? And because you have to like call off of work and, you know. Like sometimes I wish animals can talk, but then I think about all the shit that I've said to my animals. I'm like, it's probably better that you don't talk. <laughs> it's probably better that we just keep that to ourselves. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, <laughs> on that note, we have a very, very special guest with us today. She on is somebody. Animal note. Now I'm. Yeah. On a, on, a talking, <laughs> on a talking animal note. Speaking of talking animals, <laughs> y'all are gonna love our next guest. <laughs> so you've heard us mention this person several times, and that is the one and the only Adams fabulous aunt mm-hmm. not aunt courtney so <laughs> we have courtney with us to talk about experiencing loss but before we get into it here is a little bit about courtney so courtney has her master's in education and spent the first part of her career as a grade level team leader and instructional coach being specialized in dyslexia she was responsible for screening and diagnostic testing multi-sensory instruction and building relationship with families all while keeping up with the Texas Education Agency guidelines. 
Having a natural eye for interior design and organization, Courtney has shifted gears and is now a professional home organizer for Sorted Out, where she is living her best organized life one edit at a time. So welcome to the pod, Courtney. Thank you. Can I just say, I love that you say aunt. I'm Aunt Courtney. Your Aunt Courtney. (laughs) It sounds so hillbilly. Aunt is like proper English, I feel. It's like like very proper. (laughs) (laughs) I know. I always wondered how you felt about that. I was like, do you like Aunt? But it's like, I'm not, I can't. I've tried. I've tried the whole ant thing, and I just, I just can't do it. Mm-hmm. It just sounds so weird to me. I'm like, no, it's aunt. It does sound so weird. There's a U in there. It's not a n t. It's a u n t. There's a mm-hmm. there's a U in there. I'm surprised you. <laughs> I'm surprised you don't hate it the way that we say it because I feel like I've talked to a few people who use the word ant, and they're like, aunt just sounds so weird. <laughs> no, it sounds fantastic. Very good. <laughs> I, like it. I love that. Well, Courtney, how was your week? Hopefully it was better and more exciting than ours. My week was good. <laughs> I mean, back to back, you know, when you're in home organization and it's February, we're everyone's New Year's resolution. It's like, mm-hmm. I want to lose weight and I want to get organized. Mm-hmm. So throw your crap yeah. out. Let's just, let's just, if, if you're questioning, yeah. well, I think, no, mm-mm. Yeah. Yeah. When, I love that. Whenever I like go through my house and like redo stuff, I'm like, oh, I'm like, oh, maybe I'm gonna need that one day. And literally I think to myself, like, what would Courtney do? I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, toss it out. Yeah. yeah. It feels like, so much that. better. It feels so much better. Like a weight is lifted when you throw things out. I always just like I feel so much lighter. And yes. her boyfriend goes, I just felt the house shift. Like all that crap came out. The house is I'm like, mm. it's so funny. I know. Um, it reminds me of that scene on. Do you guys both watch Gilmore Girls, or did mm-hmm. you watch Gilmore Girls? Any yeah, of it? you did it. Geriatric. I'm Jurassic now. So <laughs> She never got into it. (laughs) Well, there's a scene at the end. It's Lorelai's mother. Like it was after her father passed away and she's getting rid of all this stuff. She was just like, this doesn't bring me joy. Doesn't bring me joy. And Lorelai's like, mom, you're getting rid of the sofa. She's like, looks at it. She's like, it doesn't bring me joy. Like she was literally getting rid of like everything (laughs) because nothing was bringing her joy. She's Mm -hmm. just like, well, maybe you should work on that. (laughs) Yeah. If you're asking for a piece of something, it's bringing you stress. Yeah, exactly. It really does. Like every time you look at it, it's an eyesore. Get rid of it. I know. Whenever I like watch like the home edit, I like think of you. I was like, this is what Courtney does. This is so fun. Are you all about the clear bins and like color organization? Like what's your thing? Oh, I do. I do. You know, it depends on the client with the clear bin. With the ADHD client, they do need a clear bin because they need to be able to Mm -hmm. see. Mm -hmm. I do love that rainbow. I do. Mm -hmm. I. Just makes it look happy and pretty. And mm-hmm. it's easy for kids when you do your playrooms that way. Kids mm-hmm. can associate, okay, this is all my red stuff. I put all my red stuff with my red stuff and my green mm-hmm. stuff and my blue stuff. Mm-hmm. And it's easy for them at a young age when you teach them to clean up, clean up according to color. Even if they're mixing blocks and cars, who cares? Red with red, mm-hmm. blue with blue. It's one to one correspondence. So it's a good way to teach the littles. That's what I was trying to do with all these bins that I'm like staring at over here that are just like (laughs) everywhere. And um, we're not quite there yet. (laughs) We're going to work on it. Courtney's on her way. You guys should have just recorded together. (laughs) I know Courtney would be like organizing hated section in the background while we're doing this. Okay. Well, 
I know we kind of have like a heavy one in front of us. So mm-hmm. <laughs> hope you brought tissues. <laughs> hope you guys are ready to We're go. Roller coaster together. I know. I told yeah. Tanya, I was like, I was like, okay, waterproof mascara. We've got this. We mm-hmm. could do this. But no, I mean, I'm glad. I, I hate that, like, I don't want to call you an expert in this topic, but I, I hate mm-hmm. that you obviously you know, went through everything that you went through, but I do appreciate that you're here to talk about it. Cause I know yeah. it's not an easy topic and it's definitely, it, it's heavy, but I think it is good for people to hear. Cause it's not really something people really talk about a lot and mm-hmm. open up about, and it's hard to process. So let's just get into it. Mm-hmm. So Courtney, the stage is yours. <laughs> how I met the, du- the dude, my man. Yes. Yeah. So, you know, Ugh. I'm my parents met Jake before I did and mom mm-hmm. came home one day and she's like Courtney I met this boy named Jake and he's really cute and I think you should meet him and I'm like mom what do you know like seriously like <laughs> and he lived with my cousin and I love my cousin very very deeply but he at that time was a very hot mess and I just thought anybody who could live with him no way Mm-mm. Don't want to have anything to do with that. I didn't realize that they were the original odd couple. My husband yeah. being the clean freak one and, you know, Brian oh, yeah. being the other. So, um, yeah. And when we met on a Sunday night, which I went out on a Sunday night, and I had to teach kindergarten the next day, which was crazy at the time. <laughs> but I walked into Brian's house and Jake came around the corner and I saw him and I was like, and he turned around and walked right off. And I'm like, <laughs> because it was this instant connection. Like I know people mm-hmm. like roll their eyes at love at first sight, but it was mm-hmm. truly love at first sight. He did have a girlfriend. I fixed that real quick. <laughs> I fixed that. Whole other podcast. But anyway, um, I have straight. But anyway. Um, Next week on how to steal your man. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and so he moved out, and he moved into the apartment complex that I lived in, and because, you know, that made the shack so much easier, because then we could just walk back and forth in the middle of the night, mm-hmm. you know, in my t-shirt, sorry, mom, in my t-shirt, and <laughs> and so one day I came home from work, and I was just, I don't like my principal in my school anymore, I want to change schools, and he's like, hey, <laughs> let's go out to dinner, and you'll feel better, and I was like, okay. And he's like, let's go somewhere really nice. And I go, okay. And he told me this burger joint. And I'm like, really nice? And it's a burger joint? And he's like, no, I'm just kidding. Let's go to the Hill Country Hyatt. And I'm like, ooh, that's a whole nother ball of wax. Okay, we're Mm -hmm. young. We have, we're counting pennies at this point in our life. And you want to go to this fancy? And I'm like, so I call my best friend. And now, meanwhile, I'm looking through the mini blinds because I can see his kitchen from my kitchen. I'm looking through the mini blinds and I'm talking to her. And I'm like, okay. Yeah. And she's like, what is he wearing? I'm like, well, he's wearing and I'm just going to the fridge. He shot gunning a beer. And she goes, Oh my God, you're so good. I'm like, do you think? Do you think? And she's like, oh yeah, he's, he's working up the nerve. So we go, we go to dinner and Gary Busey, Google him of all people, were there. And that was very entertaining that that drunk actor was there. And I was very distracted by that. And Jake goes to scoot back in his chair to make the move to pull out the ring. And when he scooted mm-hmm. the chair back, it made this noise of a fart. And I go, oh, <laughs> oh, fart? And he goes, no, can you marry me? 
of course I would have wanted to just scream. No, out. will you yeah. marry me? Yeah. And he's like, no, but will you marry me? And of course I wanted to scream out yes, but <sighs> a small, tiny butt. The man is a hunter and there is death and carnage in his current home at this mm-hmm. point of like with dead stuff all over the place. And I looked at him, I'm like, no pigs, no fish, no eyeballs in the bedroom. Can you deal with that? And he goes, yes. I'm like, yes, I will marry you. Oh my God. That's amazing. Just one condition. Just one condition. That was the condition. And still to this day, we have no pigs, mm-hmm. no fish, and no eyeballs in the bedroom. Mm-hmm. So that stayed true. Um, and then we I remember married. that was like when you were living, still living in Plano, when like one of the first times we went to your house, you, you'd said that you were just like, we had one condition, get married, like, mm-hmm. no pigs, no fish, no eyeballs in the bedroom. Um, yeah. I mean, of course we, there's, we have, have had some deer along the way and I named them and you know, whatever. So we got married in 98, um, which was funny because my mom is, you wonder where I get it from. She was turning 50 that year. So she just kind of chalked this up to this is my 50th birthday party and my daughter's just going to get married at it. So she <laughs> kind of was very let loosened up on the budget because she's like, I want this band. They have to sing Tina Turner. And I'm like, hey. And, and <laughs> super fun wedding and i have to give my mom a shout out because she told the wedding coordinator which she would never drink today but at the time she drank coors light in a can and she's like i want coors light in a can and the wedding coordinator was like um linda you're having a very formal wedding this art gallery um little white trash to have canned beer and mom goes then design koozies and <laughs> 98, you didn't get the cool koozie. You got that fat, mm-hmm. the old school koozie. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That trend, my mom started it. I liked it. <laughs> yeah. She started the koozie trend mm-hmm. at the wedding, which is now dated, but doesn't matter. She started it. It still does it, though. People still do yeah, it. Yeah, it's still a thing. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. 100%. I still have one. I do. I know my, my, everybody's like, oh, Courtney throws everything away. I, I still have one koozie left. You have yeah. a wedding bin. Or two. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I don't so think I knew the story of how you got engaged. That's yeah. so funny. That's hilarious. <laughs> did he have like, did he tell you, ever tell you that he originally had like a whole story planned, but then like he just got nervous well, and blurted it, was supposed it out? To be, it was not supposed to be that night, but the fact that I came home, just a big baby about that. Oh, he so he thought, just. Well, I'm going to speed it up a day because. Yeah. This will cheer her up. And I got to fix the problem. Yeah. And so I guess I called in, you know, which was great because I think it was a Thursday. Because in mm-hmm. Friday I went into work and here I left the day before crying. And I went in the next day, I'm like, boom, bitches. And I'm like, <laughs> and, you know, mm-hmm. like oh, talk about a change of emotion. Like, yeah. yeah. I'm like, no, not anymore. <laughs> so, yeah, it was, it was great. Oh, that's so thoughtful of him. Mm-hmm. Like, seriously. Yes, he's a thoughtful, you know, he's about experiences and he's just, he's really good with that. He's good with the experiences. And then, so we're married for, you know, mm-hmm. the first five years, buy the first house and, you know, get everything the way we want it. And um, I got pregnant and mm-hmm. we were tr- obviously trying. I tell everybody I got pre- pregnant over Windex. My husband is like a clean freak and loves him some Windex. And I was literally in the guest bathroom with the Windex and I'm washing the window, the mirror. 
And I don't know. I guess that was sexy. And he came in. And he, <laughs> I'm not going to more than that. But um, yeah. <laughs> it's the Windex. The Windex really did it. Yeah. Windex did I love it. that. And it was like, y'all, that was the first try. Mm-hmm. Like, it was like, mm-hmm. which I'm sorry. I sound like, you know, people are out there like, oh, great. You got pregnant first. No. Yeah. yeah. Try Windex. That worked. Yeah. Um, <laughs> Especially with a clean freak. <laughs> Like right after we were done, of course my mom calls because we talk all the time. And mom's like, "What do you do?" And I'm like, "Making a baby." And she's like, "Courtney, I don't even know every detail." Of- <laughs> <laughs> like, I'm just gonna tell you that we just that was our first time, and I think it's gonna work. Um, and, um, yeah, so we had you know, and we had Waylon in 2003. Mm-hmm. I was 31, so I'm on the I was on the cusp of geriatric, just right there. And it was a very easy, normal pregnancy. I mean, he sat on my sciatic, you know, which I don't think, I mean, what most babies don't sit on your sciatic towards the end. And, you know, towards the end, like all pregnancies, I wanted that pumpkin out. Yeah. Out. Because my due date was coming up and I was like, okay, they never come on their due date. They're like, they either come before or after, like Mm -hmm. it's not going to happen on my due date. Yeah. And I was just like, I just want him out. I wanted him out. Yeah. And um, so I was like, we're, we're going to go see a funny movie. I'm going to laugh him out. And so we mm-hmm. went and saw that bringing down the house with Steve Martin and Queen Latifah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, I, and I laughed the whole time. And I'm like, you know, I kept looking down going, okay, nothing's happening. Nothing's happening. So we left there and then we drove to my parents' house and mom was like, come on, let's go for a long walk. That'll mm-hmm. ha- make it happen. And so we're walking in the neighborhood and all of a sudden I'm like, I'm peeing, I'm peeing, I'm peeing. I'm like, oh my God, I'm my water broke. <laughs> Like, I, I thought it was down. I, I was like, I'm peeing, I'm peeing, I'm peeing. Um, and I did it. I did a movie and a long walk, and my water broke. And um, so then we go to the hospital. And I remember very, oh, my God, my nurses' names were Christine and Shirley. And I didn't think anything of it at the time, but universe to you. And Christine and Shirley were my great aunts' names, uh, my grandmother's sister. I was thinking of Laverne and Shirley for a second. So I just chuckled. Yeah. I was like, Oh wait, no, it was Laverne. Okay. So Christine was my, um, cause it was going into night was my night nurse and Shirley was my day nurse. And then I named my child Wayland, which was my grandmother's brother. So it's like Aww. universe, you know, sometimes when the universe speaks, you got to listen. I wasn't paying attention mm-hmm. at the time. I just thought it was really cool that, Oh, they're, they're me, my sister's names. How fun. And Oh my God, Christine, I, I, she was this amazing, beautiful, big, voluptuous African American woman. And when they were putting in the epidural, she's like, "Come to the titties, baby. Come to the titties." And I just went, "Okay," and like I just motorboated and just fell right into her boobs. And I mean, she was the most amazing, beautiful woman. And I just, like, I loved her. I'm like, okay, I will do that. And um, I will do that. And then, no, then they're like. I I remember they're like, okay, we're going to, you need to go to sleep. I'm like, I don't, I don't want to go to sleep. Like the epidural's in, let's go. It's time to go. Mm -hmm. They're like, "Mm, no, you're, I don't even remember what I was at, but it was like, you need to go to sleep. And they gave me some shot and I went to sleep. Mm -hmm. Like that was, I don't remember that being, I don't think that is normal, but no, I zonked out. Wait, they put you to sleep through the birth? Well, no, just to let me dilate. They just were like, oh, 
and I'm like, and yeah, they wanted, I think they wanted to do that to me too, but I was like, absolutely not. (laughs) Yeah. So I feel, no, I feel like I would be all about that. So I woke yeah, up. Yeah, just let shit happen while I'm sleeping. I'm cool with that. <laughs> I woke up and I woke up Jake and I'm like, you got to get me out of the bed. I got to go to the bathroom. I got to go to the bathroom. And he's like, let me get the nurse. And so the nurse comes in. She's like, yeah, she doesn't have to go to the bathroom. It's time to push. And I'm like, I'm sorry, what? Oh. And um, so it's time to push. Now now I've lost track of time because I'm like, okay, I want to go to bed and sleep. When would that epidural come in? And I could tell she was putting like – a towel or Kleenex or like blotting up. And I go, am I starting to tear? And she goes, yeah, why? I go, because I can feel that you're, I can feel that you're putting some, some towel or something mm-hmm. there. Like I go, if I can feel that, I'm about ready to feel a lot more. And she's like, yeah, let's, let's notch it back up. So I mm-hmm. went from feeling everything to feeling nothing. Mm-hmm. So now it's time to push and I can't feel a thing and the, the doctor's like okay i need you to push harder i'm like um, am i pushing i don't know if i'm pushing i'm oh, trying no. so that's when the forceps came out and so they used the forceps and of course he had this little head with like the, the jaws of life on oh. each side with the little and so, yeah yeah i don't remember how long i was in labor i know it was long enough that i, I you know but anyway he was born on jake's dad's birthday which that was his due date and so that was mm-hmm. really cool that that is really his, cool. On his due date, and it was mm-hmm. Jake's dad's birthday. So, and he was born. His Apgar was perfect. Perfect. I mean, not perfect, but it was a great score. He was holding mm-hmm. his head up in the hospital. My mom was like, mm-hmm. oh my God, he's holding his head up already. And I'm like, mm-hmm. yeah, because I'm a teacher and he's gifted and talented. I'm a teacher. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, you know, we go home and everything's normal. And, you know, he's in the room, he's in his room. We're like living life. And we just started noticing that he had a little bit of a raspy breathing, like a kind of a Mm -hmm. raspy sound and a belly breathing. And I'm like, okay, it's March, it's spring. This is allergies. I think he's got allergies. So we like tilted his, his crib. So that way, you know, any drainage could kind of run out. We got an air purifier. We did all of these things of like helping Mm -hmm. with allergies and then we started noticing that he just was just a little like his tone is he was a little floppy. Like he couldn't hold his head up anymore. And mm-hmm. he just was kind of like, and I hate to use this term, but it's a, it's a term that they use. It's ragdoll, you know, just kind of, mm-hmm. you know, he could barely lift up his arms and I'm like, what is going on? And so mm-hmm. we went to the pediatrician and I will, God, I'll never forget this. He, the pediatrician laid him down on his back and held his hands and was pulling him up. And his poor little head is doing like mm. this. Yeah. And he's like, okay, you need to work on these exercises to strengthen his neck. And I'm like, this looks miserable for him. And he really, mm-hmm. he, he never cried. I think he cried once. Mm-hmm. Um, but I was like this. And he goes, you know what? I'm going to send you to a neurologist because the neurologist is going to be able to give you better exercises. And I'm like, cool. Like, I'm a teacher. I fix these things. Let's go. Mm-hmm. We're going to the neurologist. That morning I got up and, you know, I mean, I put Waylon in his little polo shirt because that's what you mm-hmm. do when you go to the doctor. You get him all dressed. It was yellow mm-hmm. and stripe. And um, we went to the neurologist and Jake's like, well, do you want me to go with you? I'm like, no, I'm going for exercises. I have the grocery list. I'm going to the grocery store after this. And he's like, okay, love you. Bye. 
And so I go to the neurologist and I'm sitting there in the neuro and nothing at this point is clicking with me that I am at a freaking neurologist. I'm just mm-hmm. I'm here for exercises. I, I, right. I see these other people in the office and I know right. what they're here doing, but I'm like, well, I'm not here for that. This, that's, mm-hmm. Those are other people. This is me. This is right. happening. So Waylon and I are in the, um, in the office and in the room. And he looks at his tongue and he starts, I remember him starting to talk and he's pointing to the chart and he's talking about, and he just, it's like that scene from um, the peanuts where the, the teacher's like, wah, 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 and this is all I'm hearing. Mm-hmm. And I said, and what he did is he looked at his tongue and his tongue flickered. And mm-hmm. that is a neurological misfire when there's a lack of connection. It's kind of like, I like, being able to plug in a vacuum cleaner, but the vacuum cleaner won't work. Like it's mm-hmm. just a misfire. And all of a sudden, and all I'm thinking is forceps, those damn forceps. And I go, are you telling me that my child is paralyzed? And he said, no, you're not listening to what I'm saying. I'm like, oh, thank God. And he goes, no, 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 you're not listening to what I'm saying. And he's starts talking about SMA and, you know, type one and your child's not going to live past a year. And I'm just like, what? And again, he's pointing and I'm just, now I'm like deer in the headlights. Mm-hmm. And he's like, where's your husband? And I'm like, he's at home. I'm, I'm going to the grocery store after this. Like I have a plan. I have a list. I'm mm-hmm. going to the grocery store. And he's like, where's your phone? I go, my phone is in my diaper bag. And he goes, give me your phone. And he got my phone out and he opened it up and he's like, call Jake. And Jake shows up and I'm still sitting there going, what the, I don't know what this man is saying. Like, I don't know what he's saying. And I hear it again. And I'm just like, I kind of had that moment um, with Sally Fields in Steel Magnolias. I'm like, I just want to hit somebody. I just want to hit somebody. And, the, mm-hmm. and Jake's like, grabs me and he goes, hit me. I go, I don't want to hit you. I want to hit him. And I like, I pointed to the neurologist and they're all just like, you can hit me. And I'm like, and I just was like, oh my God. And so we immediately left there and we went to the, we went to the the closest church we could find. And I walked in with him and I held him and I said, I need you to make this go away. I need you to fix this. Like I'm on my knees begging you, please, please make this go away. I can't handle this. Um, and so what he was dying, what he had was SMA type one, which is the infant child version of ALS, Lou Gehrig's. So there's three types. There's one, two, and three. One is onset at birth. Um, and so that's why my pregnancy was normal. He moved, mm-hmm. everything was normal. There was no way of knowing while I was pregnant unless I would have had an amnio, but we mm-hmm. had no history of anything either right. one of us. Mm-hmm. I never Why would had you, any. why would you think to do that? Yeah. And so, um, and with type one, what they, what they die from is respiratory failure is because mm. the, that that's the breathing the that you were hearing that mm-hmm. goes and that's yeah. like the belly breathing because the diaphragm's pushing to help them breathe. Mm-hmm. Um, type two is kind of, is childhood. It comes later in life. Um, mm-hmm. with I don't know a lot about type two because I just didn't focus on it, but right. I think for the most part, you, you can live, you know, a healthy, mm-hmm. you're going to end up in a wheelchair, but you right. can live a long, yeah. 
And then type three is the adult version, which I don't really see how it's different than ALS, but you know, Mm -hmm. there is a type three. Um, one in 50 people are carriers and it Mm -hmm. takes two, obviously Jake and I are both carriers of this. And then when you are both a carrier, you have a one in four chance of having a healthy baby. Mm. So yeah, the dice did not roll in our way. Mm-hmm. So, um, a little bit about Waylon. Um, he, oh my God, he had this amazing smile, bright, bright smile, expressive eyes. All kids with SMA have very expressive eyes because when you're losing muscle tone, that's where you show your expression is the mm-hmm. eyebrows and the eyes. Mm-hmm. And you know, mm-hmm. you, like I said, he, I think he cried once, um, like put him in the pool. It was too cold. So he was like, mom, this sucks. But, um, mm-hmm. yeah, he never, he was such a good, and you know, he looked like me. He came out, well, he looked like my dad, but <laughs> he looks like my dad, but, um, he had these amazing eyelashes. So many times I'm like, just put <laughs> mascara on him. Jake's like, Courtney, we're not mascara on him. <laughs> I've <laughs> thought of doing that to hate it. I'm not going to lie. I'm like, I'm just curious. <laughs> you have the boys, amazing lashes. The boys get the lashes. <laughs> yeah. And that kid, oh my God, he had the stinkiest little feet. Like I, <laughs> I would put lotion on his feet. The child mm-hmm. just had these stinky little feet. I and I, you know, I, oh, I love to love stinky feet. Um, loved Elmo. Oh God, why I introduced him to Elmo? I don't know. But we loved loved Elmo. I had to you know, get all the DVDs of every Sesame Street with Elmo, so he could watch that. Love bath time because if you think about it, when you put somebody like that in water, gravity mm-hmm. leaves and goes away. Mm-hmm. And so he mm-hmm. can move. And like yeah. the only time he can move his spine and his hips. And he would mm-hmm. just, I mean, we would literally hold him by the back of the neck and he would just go and like have so much fun. <laughs> so that became a very big ritual in our house and mm-hmm. kind of one that Jake and I were like, my turn, my turn. And every night yeah. we would go back and forth of, okay, it's my turn in the bathtub. And of mm-hmm. course, we wanted to take pictures. We had to be very strategic because we're just getting, we're all naked. So we're like, okay, we yeah. can yeah. put on bathing suits and we'll do this. And then, yeah, sorry, babe, I'm going to have to tell the story. But there was one time, you know, I'm sure you get this where you hear from the other end of the house, babe, because mm-hmm. dads kind of struggle with some things. And, and mm-hmm. even though they're simple, they, they struggle and you hear, babe, from across the house. So I literally, so y'all, that day I went and got a spray tan because I needed a little mm-hmm. emotional cookie. And so mm-hmm. I told Jake, it's your turn for bath time, swim time. Because I didn't want to lose my spray tan. And so I went mm-hmm. and ran the other room real quick as soon as I gave him Waylon. And of course I hear, babe. I'm like, son of a biscuit. I just left for two seconds and I come back. Well, Waylon had pooped in the bathtub. <laughs> <laughs> it's like scrambled eggs all yeah. in. Oh. And then, and now I'm like, hold on, hold on. And I'm trying to get a towel wrapped around my arms. And Jake's like, can you just take the kid? And I'm like, I don't want my spray tan. It's going to get all spotty and rot. He's like, Courtney, I don't care about like, Yeah. And he, he's like getting a comb to comb. <laughs> scrambled egg poo out of the hair of his leg. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, it. that's hilarious. Yeah, I did speak it. Um, well, I don't want to get a punchline, but anyway, I did um, speak at Wayland's service and I might have told that story. And Jake is like, oh, this is awesome that you're telling the story. <laughs> <laughs> um, and he, 
our oh I can um, our song was you are my sunshine like I sing mm-hmm. that to him every day because that mm-hmm. was just I sing like, that to Hayden oh yeah, I just you know felt take my sunshine away I just was mm-hmm. like so um so now he's newly diagnosed and now we have a terminally ill child and I'm very hard-headed and a teacher and I don't ever want to see a kid fail or struggle and so I'm like all right first thing I did was I got on the phone and I called and hired um a physical therapist a speech therapist because I'm like this is not gonna happen and they came out and they were like what are your goals and I'm like I want to see him walk down the aisle I want Mm -hmm. to torment some cute little woman who wants to marry my baby I want to be that mother-in-law I like Mm -hmm. that I want to walk him I want to see him walk down the aisle and they just were look staring at me like deer in a headlight and they're like what if that can't happen and i go you asked me what my goal is that is my goal and they're like okay and the second thing i did is we looked at drug trials um all the drug trials we looked at you know they were were very new and it was like still they he would never have been able to walk if i had put him on a drug trial So I had to chew on that for a while. And the third thing we did is we went and saw a pulmonologist, a lung doctor, because I knew respiratory failure was going to be a thing. So when the physical therapist came out the first time and me watching them work with him on the floor with his first PT session was the, it was the hardest thing I've ever watched of them trying to accomplish my end up in goal of I'm going to watch him mm-hmm. walk down the aisle, like with the exercises. And I just sat there with tears streaming down my face. And I just looked at the therapist and I said, I just want him to be happy. Mm-hmm. I just want him to be happy. And she's mm-hmm. like, I'm glad you came with this decision. And, and so I said, I, I don't, I don't need your services anymore. And she's like, good call. And I'm like, okay. I went through how much, I can't tell you how many question and answer sessions with all the drug trials. And I kept saying, but what about him walking? What about him walking? That's never going to happen. I go, then why would I put him on a drug trial? If well, because we're looking for, I'm like, no, my baby is not a Guinea pig. Will he walk? No. I cross it off the list. And then when we took him to the pulmonologist, I don't know if you've ever seen a child have a lung x-ray. They have to stick them in a tube. They have to sit up. He can't sit up, but they have to put their arms up. He can't hold his arms up and they slap this tube around him. And so Jake is trying to hold him in this. And I, they had to remove me from the room because I was hysterical watching Mm -hmm. it happen. And Jake is like, Courtney, I got this. Just go out there. And I'm out and I'm sitting on the floor outside the doors just, and people are walking by going, what is wrong with this woman? And I'm just hysterical. And I'm like, we're not doing any of this. It's not fair for him. And that's mm-hmm. when I had to make the decision of, I want quality of life and not quantity. Mm-hmm. And I know I'm sure people judge me for that, but it was the best mm-hmm. for him. Mm-hmm. I didn't want to be selfish and keep him here any longer than he was supposed to be here. You're being a mom. For <laughs> my enjoyment. It had to be. I wanted pleasure and quality of life for him and watching all this was not good quality for him. So, um, 
we drew up oh, a DNR, a do not resuscitate order because, and I kept it in the diaper bag because I didn't want to have a situation where we were out in public, whether I was at the grocery store or Target or anywhere with him and something were to happen, 911 was called and then they're slamming on his chest and they're ventilating oh my him God. because it, I just didn't want that for him. Mm -hmm. So we had that. Um, the quickly, the next thing that happened was he lost the ability to swallow. So, you know, again, we talked with, uh, at that point we had a hospice nurse and she's like, okay, you can just let this play out. And I'm like, how can you not feed your child? Oh and she's God. like, yeah. I know it sounds horrific. And then she goes, but it's not as bad as you think. I'm like, no, I think this is as bad as I think. And she's like, I see this all the time. It's, and I'm like, I couldn't swallow that pill. And the pediatrician told me, he's like, Courtney, you're watching enough. You don't want to watch your kids starve to death. And I'm like, okay. So we went and had um, G-tube surgery where they put the little button on his belly and we fed mm -hmm. him that way. And then I had, because he lost his ability to swallow, I had, and it was clean, it was new, so no judgment, but you know, the booger sucker, the blue little booger sucker, mm -hmm. I had to use that to suction out um, the saliva all the time. And then I had, as well, I had a machine, like you get at the dentist's office to help with that. Yeah, and we had, we had an amazing hospice nurse. She had, um, you know, we had, she wasn't there all the time, but she, you know, came on a regular scheduled visit. And then we had morphine in the refrigerator in case we needed it. And um, so that morning, everything was normal. Everything was fine. I had him um, on the couch and he was watching Elmo. And we had our neighbor over and our neighbor was, um, and still is, our financial not our neighbor, but our financial advisor. And he was there setting up, you know, a savings account slash college fund because I was not going to let this happen. I still was, I still wanted everything to be normal. And if everything mm -hmm. was going to be normal, I would be setting up a college fund. And so I'm like, nope, we're going to still do this. Whether we use it or not, we, we need to do it. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember... Jake and him were sitting at the kitchen table and I was looking at Waylon and I was like watching him and, you know, he never cried. And he, and like all of a sudden you could tell that there was this struggle with the breathing and the struggle. And I'm like, babe, I don't, something's not right. Something's not right. And, um, our neighbor stood up and he's like, well, do you want me to leave? And I'm like, no, I just need to figure out like what's going on with like, and I was, then it was clicking with me what was happening. And, um, we sat on the floor with him and I called the hospice nurse and I'm crying and I'm like, I don't know what to, I'm like, where are you? Where are you? Are you coming? Are you coming? And she's like, I'm on my way. I'm not going to make it. And I'm like, yeah, you are. Yes. You're going to be here. You're going to be here and fix this. And she's like, and I'm crying. And I'm like, I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And she said, yes, you do. You know what to do. And I'm like, and I'm like, I don't know what to do. And she goes, Courtney, you need to hold him. And so I sat on the floor and I just held him and he, he took that last big breath. And I said, please don't go, please don't go. And he 
his eyes opened really big and he looked at me and I realized, God, you selfish. And I stopped and I said, go, go, go to Disney World. And that's what I told him, I'm like, go, go to Disney World. And that was it. He took his last breath. And, um, you know, that was, that was my baby. He looked like me. Um, I had a vaginal birth, so I was the first to hold him and I was the last to hold him. That was, that was mine. He was, he was mine. And that was, you know, the grief part of that. Um, you know, I was a basket case. I was a basket case. All I could think about was how do I get him back? How do I get him back? I need, I, I need to have him back. And so I started, so this is, this is what I did. I started going to the grocery store and Target and I started looking for him. Um, I would stalk mothers with babies, with little boys. And I'd like go up behind and I'd look because I was just convinced that I would see this little face turn around and it would be him. But mm-hmm. I'm sure these women thought I was just this psycho bitch that was stalking them. But I, I just, I don't know why I thought he would be there. Um, I watched every single movie that I could find of where a mother dealt with the death of a child. And I would just sit there and bawl and watch it. And Jake would be like, why are you watching this shit? And I just, I needed to feel normal. I needed to feel like I was not on an island. Like th- this is, this is normal. I, I, I'm, I'm not alone in this. Mm-hmm. And I, rem- I remember my tipping point being, I had taken a piece of his hair. I'd cut a piece of his hair. And I remember holding his hair hysterically, begging Jake to find me a doctor that can clone him. I'm like, but I have his hair. I have his hair. We can clone that sheep. If you can clone a sheep, why can't we clone him? I have his hair. And, um, I would have had this, all the same thoughts. Like, yeah. Um, you know, my biggest regret in all this is that I was such a basket case. I was not strong enough to help Jake or recognize that he was going through it as well. Mm. Um, I could, I would hear him in the closet. I would hear him in the office behind the closed doors cry hysterically. Mm-hmm. And I never opened the door. I never knocked on the door. I never said, babe, are you okay? I never, because I couldn't take care of myself. I didn't even begin mm-hmm. to know how to take care of him. Right. And we were going through this together. And here I am, a basket case. I didn't even let him help me pack up his room because it was me that placed every item where it was supposed to be. It was me that folded every piece of clothing. It was me. Yes, Jake was there. Yes, he put the crib together and we did it all together. But it was just, Mm -hmm. it was, it was just my baby. I had to, I had to do it myself. My mom and her friends were like, you should go to counseling. You really need to go to counseling, which I did not want to go to counseling. I am a Scorpio. Y'all were just talking about, you know, your sign. I'm a Scorpio. I'm very hard headed. I did not want to go to counseling. And I remember specifically going just to appease everybody, to shut everybody up. And there was a woman in there and she had lost two children. And I was like, holy shit, you mean lightning can hit twice? And that's, and I'm like, I'm not going back to that. I'm not going back to that. And that's what I left. 
thinking was like, wow, life, uh, lightning can hit strike, can strike twice. Got on Lexapro again, did not want to get on the Lexapro, but my family and friends were like, girl, you need to medicate. Um, I remember the doctor saying, Hey, cut the first one in half because you don't know how this is going to respond. And I was in the bathroom and I don't want to take the shut. And I went to cut it in half and it disintegrated. And I'm like, ah, screw this. And I, went, and I swept it in my hand and threw it back. And like 15 minutes later, I'm on the floor in our closet laughing hysterically. <laughs> and Jake is like, shit ain't right. And I'm like, no, this is the best. Stuff. Oh my God. <laughs> and he's like, you're supposed to go to lunch with Melissa and you're a freaking wackadoo. I'm like, I oh, know. Isn't it great? Um, <laughs> I did have to take Xanax to sleep because Ambien wasn't cutting it. Tried the fives, never slept. Tried the tens. And the doctor's like, dude, you can't sleep on a 10 milligram. I'm like, uh-uh, uh-uh. And he's like, all right, we're going for the big kahuna. You're going to take Xanax. And I never refilled the prescription. I left the last one on my nightstand for months as a sign of you, you're okay. You can do this. It's there if you need it, but you don't need it. And I remember flushing it down the toilet. And I flushed all the Lexapro down the toilet because when you calm a grieving mom down to the point where she can really start thinking things through, it can get dark. And mm -hmm. I remember laying under his crib thinking, well... I want to be with him. I know how I can do that. And I realized, mm. so I flushed it down the toilet mm -hmm. because that was not a healthy way to think. Um, went back to work. Um, I struggled a little, a little bit as a teacher with, um, and I'm sorry to parents out there who maybe weren't as engaged as I thought they should have been in their child's life. And, um, I had a parent teacher conference and the mom was like, well, I just don't have time to read, sit down and read with my kid. I just don't have time. And the principal sitting next to me and God love her. She was very patient with me coming back to work. And I'm like, well, I see that you get your nails done. You have time to sit and get your nails done. If you have time to get your nails done, then I think you have time to sit and read with your kid. And the principal is horse biting my knee under the table. <laughs> she's like, oh my God. Slow your roll, sister, slow your roll. And I'm just like, yeah, that was probably not the best thing to say. <laughs> um, so yeah. And then the research started. It's like, okay, I can't get him back, but I can have another child. So let's go through all the research. And the choices were roll the dice because you got one and four odds. Um, and with that, so I can roll the dice, get pregnant, do the amnio and abort if I needed to. Not going to lie, the whole needle in the belly thing scares the absolute bejesus mm -hmm. out of me. And I just was like, oh my God, I just, the idea of a needle in my belly just scared the crap out of me. We could do donor egg, donor sperm. My husband was like, uh, donor what? And I'm like, well, we can do donor sperm. You know, it's easier that way. You know, donor egg, we have to go through this, that, and the other. But donor sperm, you know, think about that turkey baster. And he's like, yeah, no. Mm -mm. As a man, he's like, mm -mm, mm -mm. Mm -hmm. and there was adoption. And so I went and talked to my OBGYN about it. And I remember my first visit with her after Waylon passed. And she's like, how's the baby? And I'm like, and she's like, oh, my God, SIDS. And I'm like, nope nope. And I told her everything that happened. And she's, so she, her offer was, she goes, Courtney, I would never do this in a million years. And I would never, nobody would ever know that we did this. She said, but if you want to roll the dice, 
an amnio, um, you don't have to go quote, have an abortion. I can, I can give you stuff and you can labor out in the office and we can just, it's just you and me. And, and I was like, Oh, and so I told Jake about that. And Jake's like, I don't want to watch that. Like, he's like, I can't, first of all, I'm not, don't want to put you through that. And I, we can't, that's, mm. so, so we didn't do that. Um, we went and saw a genetic specialist. I don't even remember his name. I wanted to throat punch him, but he's like, well, one in four, I'll just go for it again. And I'm like, would you take those odds to Vegas and throw that on the table? And he's like, well, yeah. I'm like, yeah. Mm-mm. And so then we found about out about this new amazing thing called PGD and it is pre-implantation genetic diagnosis. It's this new hot thing. We spoke with the doctor who developed this process and he became our doctor. Um, I don't remember where he lived. He was out of state and he partnered with my OB and um, we went, it was this new science and we were so excited about it because it was 99.9% accurate. And um, now that I think back on it, when it comes to something new like that, I think of the saying, um, the pioneers get the arrows and the settlers get the land when it comes to something new and, and innovative. And so we went through IVF with our doctor, with that doctor and my OB. Um, we had 12 or 13, not healthy. We had 12 or 13 embryos. Three of them were healthy. um, And we implanted three. And prior to implantation, what they do is they come in and they they take the needle in and they pull off like one little gene or one little cell or one little piece and they test it. What we've learned now if you, you know, if you think about back to biology class, you see that little spiral of the, you know, your chromosomes, mm-hmm. it looks like a ladder. Well, that's where they would come in and they would take that little piece off and they tested it because they knew exactly where this gene was housed. Well, talking with a doctor later on in life about this, they discovered that when you do this, Yes, we know where it is. We know it's in this house, but you need to check the neighbors on either side. Um, mm. And this was very new and we didn't know, or I don't even think the doctor that did this knew, knew to check the neighbors. So that's what we did. So yeah, we implanted three um, and one took. And um, the caveat was the doctor that did the PGD was like, I still want you to get an amnio. And I'm like, oh, needle in the belly. I was like, okay, okay, okay. And my OBGYN was like, Courtney, you just went through everything you did with Waylon. You just went through all the shots and everything you did with IVF. You've implanted and it took. This is a 99.9% accurate. Yes, I will do an amnio, but you're risking losing because there's the risk of, mm-hmm. of, you know, a miscarriage. And she's like, do you want to risk that after everything you've been through? And I'm like, Ugh. no, no, I don't. And she's like, yeah, not a good idea. I'm like, you're right. It's 99 points accurate. So, um, yeah, so we had, we had Piper on 2000 in 2005 
she was a C-section because I had that um, was it placenta priva where it's placenta oh yeah privia um, or something yeah yeah <clears throat> so you know it was so different because with Waylon I like I was in control and I pushed and I, he came out and he was mine and this, there's this blue tarp up and I have no control. And I feel like there's cats, you know, wrestling under my, my skin. And I'm like, what is all of this going on? And, um, Jake was like, man, this is like seeing the deer getting gutted. And I'm like, babe, really? So, um, so Jake was the first to hold her. Yeah. Jake's like, man, I've seen a lot more of you than you will ever see of me. I'm like, yeah. That's exactly what Adam said after yeah. the C-section. He's like, I saw your insides. Yeah. Um, so, and Jake was the first to hold her. Like, she came out, she went to Jake. And um, I remember being in the room and looking at her and initially having this struggle of like, who is this? Like, this isn't she's not, this isn't Wayland. Like, and then this, the hospital was like, well, you know, we're, we're, we're monitoring you closely because of postpartum. And then, and that's when devil level went up in me, me because again, I'm a Scorpio. And I'm like, what, what, like, I'm going to do something horrible to my child. I'm just trying to get bearings on what I've just been through. Mm-hmm. Um, so that kind of cut me from comparing her to him. I'm like, no, this is my babe, baby. I love her. Like, shut up, go away. Let me have my kid. So of course you're in the hospital longer with a C-section than you are, you know, a vaginal. And so at that point, Jake is like, let's go. I am done being here. So mom and I are addressing her now. Okay. Waylon came out, my kid looked like me. This little princess looked exactly like Jake. Exactly. So we're dressing her in this white little gown with these pink <laughs> little bows and all this stuff. And mom and I are hysterically laughing. And Jake's like, packing the bags. And like, come on, woman, let's go, let's go. Because now he's got all these women in his life. He's like, women, what is going on? And we're like, it looks like you in drag. And he's like, <laughs> So, um, yeah, we got to make good of that. So, um, but what we did do while we were there is, and we didn't tell anybody, but we had her blood drawn while we were there because I knew that if she did anything weird, I would be like on high alert mm-hmm. and I needed to just calm myself down. And so I told Jake, I'm like, Hey, let's, let's draw her blood just because we need to. And he goes, yep. Cool. So no good news comes on Friday. So, um, the pediatrician called us and was like, Hey, I want you guys to come into the office. And it was like Friday at the end of the, the last damn you know, mm-hmm. time of the day. And I knew it. I knew it. I knew it. Like why he couldn't just tell us over the phone and leave us at home to do what we needed to do. But no, he drug our ass into the freaking office. And again, he, and he just, we sat there and we weren't even, we were in his office, not a patient room, his office. And I'm like, here we go. Here we go. Here we go. And he just looked at us and he goes, I don't know how to tell you this. And I just was like, and that's when my face split in half. And at the top of my lungs, I just screamed, why is God not doing his job? Why? Why? Like I took Wayland, like we went to this whole 
prayer thing where we would take him on once a week at night and the church, nobody was there. And it was this prayer group who would come in and surround us and did all this stuff and people coming out to the house and praying and all this stuff. And now I'm sitting here again and God is not doing his job. So now we have another terminally ill child and um, had the same hospice nurse, which is kind of bittersweet, which was like, okay. Um, But I was glad I had her. I didn't want her, (laughs) didn't want anybody, but I I was glad that I could have her again. Um, Again, the feeding struggles, it's like Groundhog Day. I'm like, here we go. And I remember holding her in the kitchen crying to my mom. I'm like, it's starting. It's starting. Oh, it's here we go. Here we go. It's starting. And she's like, I know, I know. Um, I did not want to put her through the G tube surgery because that, you know, that was an ordeal for Waylon. Um, but she was losing the ability to swallow and I became a prisoner in my own home because I couldn't, she would not take a bottle. I tried every nipple on the planet. She would not adhere to it. And my delightful pediatrician goes, well, Courtney, I wouldn't want to let go of that either. You know, there's that taste of that salty boob in your mouth. I wouldn't want to let go of that. I'm like, boy, (laughs) salty boob. That's right up there with what what was it? it Moldy eggs. Moldy Moldy eggs. Salty boobs. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Taste of that skin. It's the taste of your skin. She likes so much. So it would take me hours to feed her. And I couldn't leave the house. I was a prisoner in my house. And I, I didn't want to leave. I wanted to be with her. But I remember sitting in there and just tears streaming. And Jake's like, we have to, we have to do something. And so the hospice nurse, we did an intube, which goes up the nose, you know, and she could put that in. I was like, fine you're right. We need to do this. But I wanted zero pictures with Piper with it in because, you know, it comes out, you tape it to their little face and Mm -hmm. I didn't like it. Um, so anytime, so Jake could put it in, I could take it out, but I let the hospice nurse deal with it. So anytime she was coming, I would call her. I'm like, okay, where are you? And she's like, I'm an hour out. I'm like, okay, cool. And I would go put Piper on the changing table and I would like, kind of put my hand there. I'm like, I love you. I'm sorry. And I would pull it out. And then I would, we would have photo shoots and I would dress her in every little outfit that I had. And I would put her in all these little poses. I did the naked on the bear rug <laughs> with the pearls and the little panties. Like I did all the photo shoots while that was out. So that was like our little thing that we would do when that would come out. I think she kind of knew, Oh, it's coming out. Photo time. <laughs> um, <laughs> Again, the SM, SMA community was really pushing me for a drug trial because there was a new drug out and you really should put her and put her on this and blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, again, will she ever walk? No, but click. Um, and this time, you know, you know better, you do better. So I was in such denial last time. Like I honestly thought, God was going to fix it last time. I thought this yeah. miracle is going to happen. God's going to fix this. This is going to change. Um, that this time I'm like, okay, I'm going to control the time narrative as much as I can control the time narrative. 
So we had monthly birthday parties. Every month we had a birthday party. I did the theme. I did the whole thing because I wanted, as a mom, I wanted that. I wanted the, the stress of the, the birthday parties and the theme and the uh-huh. decorations. Mm-hmm. And so we did that once a month. We kept up with our bath swim time. Um, this time when people asked, how can I help? Before I'm like, I don't need help. I don't need help. I don't need help. Um, you know, I wanted to cook. I wanted to feel normal. I didn't want anything. And this time when people asked, how can we help? I'm like, you can come clean my house. I do mm-hmm. not want to clean my damn toilet. I would rather spend time with my daughter than clean my damn toilet. And so mm-hmm. I, one of my mom's friends goes, why? She was kind of like, I don't want to come clean your toilet, but can I send my housekeeper? Yes. yes. Yeah. So Maggie showed up and that's when mom kind of behind the scenes had everybody pulling money and it was Maggie money. And so I never had to pay for Maggie. Maggie would show up once a week and Maggie, oh my God, I love that woman. She came in, she cleaned cleaned toilets, cleaned everything, everything. I didn't have to take time away from my child because that was handled. Um, Again, I still wanted to cook and feel normal, but that was so much help. And then I would put her on my shoulder and we would have um, life lessons for mommy in the backyard. And I would walk the perimeter of our backyard and I would just, I told her everything that I needed to tell her to make her a strong ass woman because wherever she was going, when she was going to leave me, I needed her to be a strong ass bitch. And I wanted her to be everything. I wanted her to have every lesson that I would have taught her. Hmm. Um, so I did, I, I did that every day. Um, at the time, Jake was commuting to Colorado because his job was in Colorado and the company was unbelievably nice and worked with us and said, hey, just have Jake commute. And every time he would leave, he would tell her, please don't leave. Please be here when daddy comes back. Don't leave until I get home. Don't leave until I came home. And she would just look at him and be like, mm-hmm. And um, the morning, and so we had... Waylon for five months um and we had piper for eight months and that morning i knew it i knew i knew because i i knew i knew it was the morning i just knew it um jake was in town um you know it's just mother's intuition i just i knew it was the day and i didn't tell anybody i didn't call anybody i didn't tell you i didn't even tell jake that hey this is gonna happen today because i selfishly wanted as much time by myself with her as I could. And so we did our last conversation in the backyard together. <laughs> it was like, I won't tell you everything I told her, but I, you know, basically, uh, yeah. Anyway, um, I just wanted her to be strong. I wanted her to be strong. Like if you need to throw punch somebody, you throw punch somebody. Um, so after I had that conversation with her, I came in and I, I told Jake, I said, it, it's today. And he's like, what? I'm like, it's going to happen today. It's, it's, it's already kind of started. If you kind of look at her here for a minute and, um, he goes, you need to call your parents. And so I did, I called my parents to come over and they were there with us. And, um, you know, again, I wanted to control the narrative. And so we're, again, we're sitting on the floor and I'm holding her and I'm holding her and she struggled a little bit more than 
Waylon did. We never had to give Waylon morphine. We did give her a little, like on the little sponge, we gave her a little in her mouth. And she was, she was struggling. And Jake goes, pass her to me, give her to me. And with everything in my fiber, I did not want to do that. And I passed her over to him. And he held her and that was it. That's, that's because she wanted that. She needed that. She kept her promise to him. He was, that was his kid. That was his baby. She looked like him. He was the first to hold her. He was the last to hold her. And she didn't want me. She wanted him because she wanted to keep her promise to him. And she did. Um, you know, and this time I learned it was not my turn to be the basket case. I had to step up. It was, this was Jake's turn to be the basket case and to hit the ground. And I had to be the strong one. And I had to be, you know, again, this was his, this was his baby. I had to, and I've learned the analogy of a rope, you know, Jake and I compare our marriage to a a rope, but I don't mean as like a hanging kind of rope, but if you think about a rope, it's two pieces intertwined together and that's what makes it strong. And sometimes one of those needs to be the stronger of the two to hold it together. And it was, um, again, my time to step up. Um, again, oh God, I didn't go to counseling. I saw one of the therapists at, um, it's the mortuary. Is that what you, that's such a horrible word, mortuary, but where you go get all in there. Mm-hmm. I saw one of the counselors there because she was a friend of the church and a friend of the family. And the family's like, I really want you to go talk with her. And I'm like, ugh. But the one thing I only went once, and the one thing she taught me and told me that is still to this day I use in every aspect of my life. She asked me to talk about Piper, and I told her everything that I could tell her. And she took a piece of white paper and she took a pen and she put a dot in the paper. And she held up the paper and she said, Everything that you just said about her life, and you didn't talk about, you talked about everything. But her disease, you talked about everything but her passing. You talked about her, her personality, mm-hmm. what you dressed, this, that, and the other. She goes, this whole piece of paper represents all of that. That dot on the paper represents her passing. Stop focusing on the dot and focus on the paper. And I don't know what it is about that, but that really resonated with me of like, Ooh. like mm-hmm. don't get granular big picture in the big picture I had two amazing babies mm-hmm. big picture you know like I had two healthy pregnancies I had two kids who were loved and were happy and you know so I, I even you know with work or anything that happens in life I don't focus on the dot like mm-hmm. you know just don't um so, but you know, now where I'm like, I'm not going to get up, I'm going to have a kid, I'm going to have a kid. Mm-hmm. And I remember before Piper passed, I, cause I'm a planner. I'm sure you guys are too. We're moms, mm-hmm. we're planners. We plan everything mm-hmm. out. Everything has to be perfect. We plan it. And when you follow the list and then you check it off and then this is how life happens. <laughs> That's not how life happens. Um, but I remember holding Piper at the kitchen table 
and crying going, but what's next? What's next? What are we doing next? Jake's like, babe, you're crying in front of the kid and you can't talk about what's going to happen next when she's I'm like, no, but we have to, like, what, what are we doing next? What are we, what, what, like, how are we going to fix this? What are we going to do next? Jake's like, babe. So not long after she passed, Jake, we met at a, at a bar and, um, he walked in, sat down and he goes, Hey, the guy from Arizona in the company, um, just got let go. And I'm like, really? And he goes, yeah. And I go, take that job. And he's like, are you nuts? You, he goes, when I married you, you're like, I'm never moving out of San Antonio. And I'm like, we're leaving. I want you to take that job. And he's like, are you, why? And I go, because I love our friends. I love our family. But if one more person looks at me with, I'm, I can't handle it. I need to have a clean slate. I need to start over. Um, and we did. So he took that job. We moved to Arizona. Oh my God. When we packed and left that morning, I am in the driveway hysterical with Maggie because now I'm having to tell Maggie goodbye. And she cleaned the house after we sold it and got it all ready. And I'm like, and Jake is like, woman, let's get in the car and let's leave. And he's like, you're not worried about crying about your mom or the house or our, our, the home we grew up in. You're, or the you're crying over the cleaning lady. So then um, we moved to Arizona and um, it was great. We loved Arizona. We can control the narrative. We had a townhome and I had all the pictures of the kids on the second floor where our bedroom was, nobody went up there. So when people came into our home, you didn't have to talk about our story. And mm-hmm. it was, we fresh. We might've partied like rock stars while we were there. We had, we had a really, 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 really fun time in Arizona. Um, but we hit, we hit the floor together and we pulled each other back up and we went mm-hmm. and it was great. And then long after that, we moved to Northern California because now we're corporate gypsies. Oh, wait, you'll move? Okay, now you're going here. And so (laughs) now it's like, so we moved to Arizona in 2006. It's now 2008. We're in Northern California. And now I'm like, okay, we had our two two hours, our two years of fun. Let's get back to business. Um, Let's look for, let's look into an adoption. Mm -hmm. So we went one night to this agency and I'm sorry. I've just been through two horrible experiences. I've watched a shit ton of Lifetime movies. So all the worst case scenario of Lifetime movies are going through my head. And I am peppering this woman with questions. Just what about this? What about this? Because I wanted a baby. I didn't want a birth mother. And I'm sorry to say that out loud, but that's where I was in that time. I just couldn't handle because of lifetime movies, you ruined lives. But anyway, I just had this idea of this birth mother. I, I just didn't want to deal with that. I wanted just clean, just, I want a baby. Just give me a baby. I don't want any of that part of it. And that woman, oh my gosh, she banged her fist on the table and she goes, don't you think I know what you've been through? Don't you think I understand any of this? And I threw both hands down and stood up and I'm like, I don't think you know shit. And Jake is like, and thank you. We'll be leaving. And like, we <laughs> like had his hands around me and I'm like, ah, I won't say everything I said, but I'm just like, and that night we were driving home. We were coming across the Bay bridge. It made the news. You could Google it. One of the 
I don't want to say strap, but metal wires holding the Bay Bridge. We are stopped. Snaps. Comes crushing down and hits the car in front of us. Again, when the universe speaks, you just, okay. <sighs> so I'm like, hmm, this is symbolic of a lot of shit. Huh. Wow. Okay. And my mom's calling. Did you see that the cable snapped on the Bay Bridge? Yeah. Like, oh, yeah. We saw it. Yeah. <laughs> right in front of me. Um, so that was just my sign of this is not going to happen here. This we're just, so we get back to Texas and I started looking into adoptions agencies in Texas. And I'm not going to mention any of their names, but there's one that's pretty famous, predominant. And, um, their adoption fee, if you will, is based on a scale according to your financial, what you got going on and at your bank, which didn't set well with me. Mm-hmm. And these are my words, but I'm going to quote them in my words. Cause this is what I heard. Mm-hmm. This is not what they said, but this is how I interpret it. That, um, if you want a mixed race baby, they're half off. Um, that did not set well with me at mm-hmm. all. That somebody would think that a white right. baby would be worth more fiscally than mm-hmm. I, it just, it, I'm like, and we're, mm-hmm. yeah. so I kind of crossed that agency off my list. And so we were coming back. I can't, I have to look in my phone to find the date of when it was, but we went and met some friends and we went to the Texas tech Aggie game and Jake and I were driving back and I, on the long road trip and I looked at him and I said, I don't hear my biological clock ticking anymore. And he goes, Oh thank God. I felt that way for a long time, but I just couldn't tell you. And I go, I'm done. And he goes, I'm done too. I go, we good. And he goes, yeah. Mm-hmm. And it was just like this weight had mm-hmm. been lifted, but I hadn't told my parents. And that was the hardest thing I've ever done. And you think, well, didn't you just, yeah, but telling my parents, oh my God, we were at their house that one night and thank God her best friend was over, Carol. And Carol kind of started the conversation. I don't know if it was divine intervention, but she kind of started the conversation. Okay. Where, where are you? What are you thinking? And blah, 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 blah. blah. And I just was like, and she's like, I'm sorry, what? Mm -hmm. And I finally told them and mom goes, thank God. And I go, I'm sorry, what? And she goes, all I needed to do was no. I'll support you no matter what decision you made. I just needed to know what your decision was. And I was like, oh, wow. Mm-hmm. Um, God, your parents because are <laughs> While it's hard on a parent, it's double hard on a grandparent. Mm-hmm. A grandparent has to watch it through two lenses of watching their grandchildren pass and then watching their child watch their child, their child. I mean, like double. So yeah, it was a weight lifted for them as well. So yeah, that, um, and you're like, you know, effects on the marriage. I know that not many marriages survive it once, let alone twice. And I know you're going to think that I'm full of shit when I'm like, it, it made us stronger. I know not everybody can be like, yeah, let's pack up and move states because that's what we're going to do. But it made us stronger in a way that 
we advocate for each other in every way possible because we realize now how life is such a gift. Mm -hmm. Time is such a gift. And we want to make sure that we maximize every moment, everything, every time. And so we advocate for each other with everything, whether it's job, eating the right protein bar and there's no palm oil in it, which was the latest conversation. But yeah, like everything, <laughs> every little thing we are each other's mama and papa bear on. Um, mm -hmm. We did was what marriage has to do this when we're cremators. We're not, we, we don't bury in our family. And so at our church in San Antonio, there's the columbarium. And so my grandparents are there. And so when Waylon passed away, you know, we got the one right next door and I'm like, wait a minute, what if other people die? Other people are going to die. They're going to get, they can't have this spot. And so we bought our spot so we could be next to the kids. And then mom and dad, I'm like, mom and dad, where y'all going to be left out the cold? Because look, we got, you know, Papa, we've got the kids, you know, now we've got our spot. So then my parents bought their spot. And then I don't know if y'all have seen the movie um, Palms. It's like the little with their, the old folks home and they wanted to have a cheerleading squad. <laughs> no, I haven't, but that sounds amazing. Did you know that you can put your ashes in a firework and it can go off? Oh my gosh. No. Yeah. So now I told Jake the other day. So now we've had this, we've had this little real estate property for like 20, I mean, Waylon would be 22 next month for 22 oh, years. Wow. I told Jake after seeing that movie, I'm like, okay, here's the plan. Because we've always had the plan. Uh, well, I say we. I have always had the plan. He knows it. I don't know if he agrees with it. That when we leave this planet, it's going to be a Thelma and Louise. We're doing it together. Jake's always wanted <laughs> this, the big Lincoln with the suicide doors. The, he calls it the dirty old man car. It's the one that JFK was shot in. And I'm like, oh, we're getting that car. We're going to get plastered. We're going to go back to Arizona. And we're going to pull a Thumb and Louise. And that's how we're going out. <laughs> and then we're going to get cremated because, you know, we're list makers. We plan these things out. And we're going to get cremated. We're going to go to the columbarium. And so now I'm like, babe, let's sell that our spot. And I told my parents, I'm like, hey, I think we're thinking about selling our spot. And she's like, what? I want all four of us now. All four of us are going to put into the firework and we're going to go up together. We're going to. Um, my godchildren are well aware of this. Allie's like, okay, hey, Courtney, wait, hold, like, a firework? I'm like, yeah, this is your job. This is your job in life. And she's like, okay, can you send me a link? I'm like, no, I'm not planning on doing this. Send tomorrow. me a link. <laughs> this is the plan. This is the plan. Because I don't want the funeral in a church. And I don't want. I want a party. Mm -hmm. I want like a roast. I want people telling horrible a stories roast. about me and getting drunk. And I want the firework and I want us all together. So I was telling Allie, I'm like, you might have to wait. Cause I, you know, we're not, if we don't film and Louise it, there might be a gap time between the two of us, but yeah, that's the plan. Um, <laughs> oh my God. And then, Jeez. you know, we, this was the hardest pill to swallow. And I, people are like, what? We didn't marry, we didn't go into this marriage saying, okay, we're going to reproduce. We are mm -hmm. getting married because we are going to reproduce. You know, we got married because we felt not in love with each other. And we come into that realization of, I don't need, we don't need children here 
on out to make our marriage work, to make us love each other, to make each other happy. Mm -hmm. We have that on our own. And Mm -hmm. that's thing you kind of have to recognize is like, why did you get married? Why do you love each other? Why are you together? That's yeah. That's what keeps us going. It may just survive what we have survived. Yeah, definitely. Gosh. Wow. Mm -hmm. I had no idea. I didn't even know that you went through IVF. I didn't know any of that. Yeah. Oh yeah. I remember because you know you're doped up. And I remember waking up when they with the egg retrieval. Mm -hmm. And they're like, We have 12 or 13. I remember what they said. And I was like, a football team? (laughs) 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 And then when they implant, like you have to go with a full bladder. Yeah, it's so crazy. Mm -hmm. And I'm mm-hmm. laying there going, dry hot desert, dry <laughs> hot desert. <laughs> it's the worst. <laughs> Finally, they're like, okay, you can pee. And I'm like, thank God. And they're like, no, 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 yeah. no, no, we're going to do this for you. And they put in the catheter. And I'm like, am I peeing? Am I peeing? And she goes, do you feel relief? I'm like, but am I peeing? And she's like, yeah. And she, then when it was done, she's like, damn, bro, you did drink water. I'm like, uh-huh. Yeah. I wanted this to work. I wanted it to work. Like, you understood Wait, they the had assignment. You pee, they had you pee on the table? No, they put in the catheter. And- I wish they had done that for me. Oh my gosh. Oh, like they, oh wow. Mm-hmm. That's cool. So yeah, they don't do that. Or they Mm-mm. didn't do that for us. They didn't, for sure. Like they do the trans, they do, they implant it and then you like waddle yourself quickly to the bathroom and pee. Yeah. So they didn't like do that. That's crazy. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah, it was, it was nice. Oh my goodness, Courtney. Yeah. That is like, yeah. So I don't even know if I have makeup on my face anymore. I know. <laughs> I was like crying the entire time. I know. There are so many um, moments. Um, what are some of the things that you feel like have helped you in terms of coping? I think the biggest thing, and I tell people this when they're grieving, and I know it's easier to call shots from the booth than to be living it. Um, and I couldn't ex- hear it at the time. But I can reflect on it now and say, stop looking for the why. The why will find you. Like the mom guilt of knowing that something in your body you gave to your child, which caused their death. Easier said than done, but letting that go. um, That's not the why this happened. When we moved to Arizona, we packed up all of her stuff, all of her stuff. Of course, they... The kids had the same furniture, the cribs and all that stuff. But I took all her clothes with me because I, in my head, I'm like, no, we're fixing this and we'll have another baby and I might need these clothes. And I was teaching at the time and I, my partner teacher was this amazing woman and she had two biological kids and then a son that she adopted um, from the Indian reservation, the brother she was fostering and trying to adopt. And then she walked in one day and she goes, oh my gosh, there's a sister. And I'm like, really? And she's like, yes. And we have to get her out of there. And she's like, but I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm like, what do you mean? And she's like, she's, she's, I don't know, four or five months old. And she has shaken baby syndrome. And she's, you know, she's like, I don't have any furniture. I don't have any clothes, any, and I'm like, Whoa. I do. Yeah. And she's like, what do you mean? I go, I have everything you need. Mm-hmm. You can have it. And she's like, 
are you kidding me? And I'm like, no. And I came home that day and I'm like, hey, babe, I need you to meet me at the storage locker. And they came and Jake's like, are you sure you're okay with this? And I'm like, no, this was why we brought it. Yeah. We brought this, this is why we brought this stuff. And so, yeah, she set up the room, the bumpers, the, the sheets, the everything. She's, and it was perfect for that. Oh my God. Um, that is so perfect. Yeah. And so why am I not like the why, the why, the why came and it was mm-hmm. like, huh. The other thing with coping, I'm going to give a shout out to my really good friend, Melissa. I call her my Mel because she's mine. Um, <laughs> my Mel has given me two amazing godchildren. Um, Allie's going to graduate from college this year and Cole is going to graduate from high school this year. That's crazy. And they're just like these tiny little peanuts. They were growing up. She gave me so many gifts and one of them was Thanksgiving. They all came to Dallas and she gave me the Thanksgiving meal prep experience with the kids where I could cook all the food, set the table, do the rules of being, you know, little mom on Thanksgiving day. And with the traditions that you want to pass down to your children, um, we took them to the Cowboys game, you know, and we had a blast one time she, cause I asked her, I'm like, can I please? And she's like, girl, you don't even know what you're getting into. So we had the Christmas morning experience because I wanted the experience of the kids running down the stairs. I wanted to see that. I wanted that magic and enjoyment. So she, we went to San Antonio, we packed it up and we went to and stayed the night with them. Oh, the kids were little. And I remember we put them to sleep and Mel goes, y'all want the experience. And we had to put everything together. And Jay goes, I don't know if I signed up for this part. Mel's like, no, 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 you want it. You're putting, and she sent me, oh my God, to the, what's that store with the kid, American Girl. Oh, oh American Girl dolls. Oh, yes. yes. And shop <laughs> during Christmas. To, I finally found some cute little boy there. I'm like, here's my list. Oh, shit. Um, but yeah, I, we had to put together the American, the beds and the, oh my gosh. So we had to mm-hmm. set, we got to set it all up and put out the cookies and the milk and, and like just seeing them come down the next morning and screaming and hearing the footsteps. And, mm-hmm. you know, I wouldn't have had that otherwise if she hadn't given me that gift. And mm-hmm. even up and, you know, now they're, you know, Allie's 22 and, Mel lets me co-parent, if you will, sometimes. Mm-hmm. There's some things that she's like, all right, touch on this, you deal with it. Um, <laughs> which is great because I, I got, mm-hmm. oh, you want to put a tampon? Let's go, girl. She, like I, these little <laughs> things that I, I didn't get to teach my kids. Um, I taught mm-hmm. Cole how to grill. Like mm-hmm. we, we um, I stayed with him when they went and had set up Allie and college and he's like are we gonna grill tonight i'm like yeah what are you cooking he's like i don't know how to work the grill i'm like what oh dude no (laughs) so um and then they would go on vacation um when the kids were little and it was camp courtney and courtney would show up and it was camp courtney and it was camp courtney's rules and you know they made their bed every day and they had to do all and like, we don't have to make our bed i'm like i don't care your mom's not here it's camp camp courtney (laughs) and um so yeah and then like all my friends, I am, and I'm going to, it's going to, I'm aunt, I'm aunt Courtney. <laughs> Your aunt everybody, Courtney. Everybody's kids call me Aunt Courtney, no matter who they are. Yeah. So that's, I mean, what better gift? Like you can play with everybody's kids, rile them up, 
feed them sugar mm-hmm. and hand them right back and go. <laughs> Being there for you does not suck. And then I had, I had to let go of God. I know this is a, probably a big taboo topic. Um, I, we had to get a divorce It, it mm-hmm. for my own health. It just didn't work for me. You know, what's the saying? Fool me once, shame on you. Fool me twice, shame on me. Um, mm-hmm. I don't like using the word atheist because words have power. And when you let other people define words for you, um, people are like, oh, you, so you cut heads off chickens and you put blood over your body and you worship the devil. No, 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 um, no. Not exactly. It just didn't work for me. Um, Like, I think Ricky Gervais is hilarious and his views on that. I you know, which people are like, well, now we know you're sick. Okay, whatever. You know, life is a gift and time is precious. And if there's a toxic relationship in my life, I let it go. And that was God. It just didn't work mm-hmm. for me. Um, and so I had to let that go. But I do recognize that I'm a God parent and that is important to my friends. And so I don't poo-poo anybody's religion. I think religion is amazing. I think it helps a lot of people. Um, it just didn't work for me. Um, I think of that quote Tom Hanks said in, I think it's Angels and Demons, that faith is just a gift that I get to receive. It's just, it didn't work. I'm more of a spiritual person. I'm convinced that anytime I see a frog, it is Waylon. And anytime I see a ladybug, it is Piper. And mm-hmm. I see them all the time. I have a bracelet that's got ladybugs on it. I have another bracelet that's got frogs on it. I had to let go of the mom guilt of every time I went to San Antonio, I would see the call. I would go to the columbarium to see my kids and I would, it was a trigger. It made me cry. And I'm like, wait, I'm coming here. This is making me cry. I had to let go of the mom guilt of every time we go to San Antonio, I don't need to go to the columbarium. My kids aren't there. They're in my heart. They're with me Mm -hmm. every day. I don't need to go see a plaque with their name on it to know that they're with me. If I do that, I'm focusing on the dot. Because that's what that reminds me of. And the hardest thing I've learned is that witnessing somebody's passing, it's a gift. It is a gift because I truly believe people choose who they want to be with when they pass. Waylon wanted me. It was clear that he wanted me. Piper wanted Jake. And that was a, it was a gift to witness that, to hold them and to witness that, um, you know, the universe could have allowed those baby birds to fall in anybody's nest and the universe chose us. They trusted us and it was an honor to take care of them while we had them. And it took me a long time to get there to say that, but it was, it was an, yeah, was it painful? Yeah, but it was an honor. Mm -hmm. I was gifted to do um so yeah yeah definitely that's a beautiful way of looking at it um, are you okay sonia <laughs> you read the next one yeah so this is a really good question what are some of the things that people close to you thought were helpful but really weren't like things that they would say or advice stuff like that. I'm going to start with the number one. This is like David Letterman's top 10. I'm going to go right for number one. God only can give you what you can handle. Oh, fuck great. off. That's great. So, um, I mean, yeah. I'm sorry. If you have that in your repertoire, you got to take it out right now because that's an immediate throat punch. Like it mm-hmm. just, so 
and I'm very snarky if y'all know this about me, but a part of me want to go, oh, so your children aren't special? Oh, okay, cool. Um, mm-hmm. Not a, doesn't help. Um, this one, I think people think they're being complimentary when they say, God, you're the strongest person I know. Awesome. Can I just be weak then? So if I was mm-hmm. weak, would my kids be here? Um, I think what people are thinking when they say this is like, oh my God, thank God this is you, not me, because this stuff only happens to other people. Well, guess what? When shit like this happens, you figure out real quick, we're all other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I've, no, I'm not the strongest person that you know. I just learned that deep inside everybody, you've got this little square box right here that says break in case of emergency, like a fire alarm. And when Mm -hmm. shit happens, you do it. You Mm -hmm. break it, you pull it, you put your big girl panties on and you run with what you got. And that's, um, that's what, so yeah. You're the strongest person I know. Um, sorry for your loss. I know that's a traditional saying. Um, it really did rub me the wrong way of the word loss because I didn't lose anything. People who lose shit are not in control. They're, I was buttoned up. I was organized. I did my research. I took care of my kids. I did everything I was supposed to do. I didn't lose anything. I wasn't careless. I, and I know that's just me nitpicking at a word, but I, I didn't like, I still don't. And I, I'll catch myself saying it because it's just something that slides off the tongue. I just, I don't like mm-hmm. the Sorry for your loss. Mm-hmm. Um, Jessica, you go, you like this one because people gave you book, uh, giving me a book. Hey, here's the shack. The shack is going to help you. The fucking shack is not going to help me. Um, I did watch that movie. God bless. I bawled like a baby at the end of that movie, but I, I read it. It didn't help me at the time. Maybe it made me reflective now, but, and then I, somebody gave me when bad things happen to good people. I think I read two pages and threw it across the room and I was like, mm-hmm. what the <laughs> um, the best thing people can say to you is to look at you and go I don't have the words thank mm-hmm. you thank you for being honest because you know what I don't have the words either I mean I do they're ugly but you know just I don't know because this is uncharted territory for everybody to go right. through this this is the timelines going backwards nobody knows how to navigate in it just I don't know what to say mm-hmm. right? That's the best thing you can say because right. I don't know what I would, t- I would tell you if you did. That's like honestly a great response to it. Yeah. We didn't, I didn't go through like nearly what you went through, but like I, d- I did find myself like leaning in more towards the people that were like, I-, I don't even know what to say. I love you. Let me know if you need anything. Like those are the people yep. that I was more likely to like lean on versus the one that were just like well, you know, everything happens for a reason. And it's like, I do believe that, but it's like in that moment, that's not what you want to hear. Mm-hmm. It's like, let me get there. <laughs> I don't want to hear yeah. that right now. Yeah. Any advice for other mamas who have experienced similar loss? Um, the first thing that you have to kind of figure out how to maneuver through is, hey, do you have kids? Because that is still to the day I get this question. Um, do you have kids? And initially when people would ask me that I would be like, yes, one in heaven. And it was like, then you'd watch the face and I'm like, Oh shit. Cause now I'm feel obligated to fix that face of, Oh, and then when it went 
when, then when the story elevated to, yes, I have two angel babies or I have two, I, I said that for a while, or then people were like, well, were like, when did that happen? Was that a miscarriage? Was that this? And navigating through that. So what I've learned is when people ask you, do you have kids? They don't give a shit if you have kids or not. They want to talk about their own kids. Mm-hmm. That's what they want to talk about. So my new response in it is I will either say, yes, she has four legs and furry and she runs our life. Or mm-hmm. then the people immediately switch gears and go, I have a dog too. Do you have a cat? Do you mm-hmm. They do that. Or I'll say, no, I don't. Do you? Which mm-hmm. flips it to them mm-hmm. because, you know, I feel obligated. If I tell somebody the story and I see their face go, oh, I feel obligated to have to pick them back up. And that's exhausting. Mm-hmm. And having, having to pick everybody back up, I realize they don't give a shit. They just want to talk about their own kids. <laughs> yeah. So that's kind of how you kind of pivot through that. Um, we would get balloons for every holiday, every birthday, and we would write notes to the kids. Um, and I never read Jake's notes and he never read mine. And we would go in separate corners and we would write our notes out to the kids, time to the balloons and let them go. And it was like, we still felt like we were a teaching them life lessons, b engaging with them and c celebrating the holidays that we wanted to celebrate with them because they were supposed to be hunting Easter eggs and they were supposed to be dressing up for Halloween and they were supposed to be doing all these things. Um, do you still do that? I don't, we have, we haven't, we used to do it in the Plano house. I think it's mm-hmm. when we left the Plano house, we stopped doing it. Mm-hmm. Um, you did it as long as you needed to, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And yeah. then you know, the market street right around the corner from Plano, our Plano house, they had the balloons where you hit them and they play songs. <gasps> oh <my goodness. laughs> oh, I was like, Hey God, really? Boom. I'd hit it. Drive you nuts. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah. And again, not focusing on the dot. Mm-hmm. I had to, I had some friends and family members that would text me or call me on their death day. What in the frick? Yes, I know the month my kids passed. I don't remember the date. I don't want to remember the dates. That's not a Mm -hmm. date I want to remember. So I had to lock down on that really quickly of telling family and friends, guys, I appreciate the idea of what you're doing. I hate it. Stop. Don't do this. Um, yeah. Birth dates. We celebrate yeah. birth dates around here. Mm-hmm. I'm like, do you call and go, oh, the day grandma died? Well, then don't do it for my kids. Um, so that was, you know, and everybody's grief journey is their own. Don't let anybody determine your time, your, whether you should go to counseling or not, whether you should read a damn book, whether you need to get medicated. Like I did a lot of those things to appease other people and that did nothing for me. So this is the time where you're like, you know what? I'm going to be selfish. And this is about me. Like I sent, um, again, I talk about like the uncharted territory. I sent an email to our family and friends of, okay, no death date talk. Um, I, we can't talk about our kids though. We do like, and, and enjoy talking about our kids. It's, we find it awkward when you don't want to, then we're like, Oh, good. Please talk about the kids. It's okay. Yeah. One thing I wish I never did and I could have done, it was just hard for me. I wish I could have advocated for my parents regarding their friends, talking about their grandchildren. Um, 
that hurts my heart when that happens. Now I'm better with it, but in the beginning that would kind of crush my soul a little bit of, you know, especially if they complained about, oh, the dumb grandkids are coming over and I got like that would, mm, it would dial me up. Now I'm like, well, it's, they're your problem. So you can figure it out. Um, <laughs> yeah. yeah. And then this is so much easier said than done, but not, don't be afraid to take the game face off. I wore that mask for so long. I thought it was stuck to my face when people are like, you know, are you okay? Yeah, I'm fine. Everything's great. Uh-huh. Everything's awesome. Everything's great. Mm-hmm. Um, tell people when you're not doing well. Set the guidelines of, I'm not going to talk about death dates. I'm not going to talk about this. I do want to talk about this. And just, you know, being transparent. Because again, uncharted waters, nobody knows how to navigate in these waters. And if you're the captain of your boat, steer it and start calling out orders. And again, and the why will find you. The why will find you. It may take some time, but it'll just when the universe speaks, you just kind of gotta gotta listen sometimes. Mm-hmm. So. Wow, <laughs> you should write a book. Yeah. You should. <laughs> yeah, seriously, you're really good at just like talking about all of it. You have that face, like I've already thought about it. Mm-hmm. I have. I thought about it. I knew it. <laughs> thought about it then am I going to be the book that when people go through this um, am I the shack am I the good thing like like, everybody's like here read Courtney's book yeah like I'd rather no but you know what you know who you remind me of when you talk um you know Mel Robbins have you like listened Mm -hmm. to her stuff she's like very much like no bullshit and she just like cuts right to it she tells you like kind of like the opposite of what people normally tell you. So maybe it could be a book of like, just like real talk of like grief and like, you know, Mm -hmm. the things that don't work and this is what we're told, but this doesn't work Mm -hmm. and here's the deal. And you know what I mean? Like that kind of a book. I don't know. I've honestly thought about a podcast and I wanted to call it, why are you crying now? It's like, (laughs) okay, why are you crying? What's, what are you crying about? Oh, okay. Let's talk about that. You know, unpacking. Yeah. It could be anything. Grief, breakups, work drama I broke a nail and there's no nail salon open on Sunday like just anything you know. anything <laughs> yeah. well we'll come on yeah <laughs> just have women why are you crying now because, because I'm geriatric and I'm gonna be 72 when my child is walking down graduating high school mm-hmm. and I'm just kidding <laughs> not 72 but <laughs> I'll be up there pretty close <laughs> we can hold off we can be the fireworks then maybe that's when we work. yeah Maybe. <laughs> oh my god, oh, that's shit. amazing. <laughs> All right, time for the big words, Sonia. You got this. I believe mm-hmm. in you. There currently is no cure for SMA. However, the discovery of the genetic cause of SMA has led to the development of several treatment options that affect the genes involved in SMA. A gene replacement therapy called Zogensma and two drugs called Nus. <laughs> And also two other drugs that we're going to leave in the show notes for you. And I wish I had, I could tell you about these amazing drugs. I don't know anything really about them because, you know, it's been 20 years. Um, I would be interested to know, oh, sorry, I was going to say, I would be interested to know, like, to your point with all the other trial drugs that you were asking about, like, can they walk? Like, will they, you know, it's like, what are the effects? Like, what, like, what are you, like, what are these drugs doing? Is it Mm -hmm. just prolonging the inevitable? Is it? 
actually reversing? Is it like, right. I mean, I have a friend know? in Northern Cal who has a type one and he's in college. Wow. But he's yes. He's on a drug. He's been on drugs the whole time. And I, it's, I struggle when I see pictures of him because of, I just, I can't, I almost wondered if he was misdiagnosed as a type, maybe it was type two, but anyway, mm-hmm. I just, I can't, I don't know. Mm-hmm. Again, you have to think quality and quantity and it just, it, what, it's what works for you. Um, right. What works for your kids and what you want for them and your, you know, your goals. Um, yeah. Right. Whatever decision you make is the right one. Mm-hmm. It's right mm-hmm. for you. It's right for your family. It's right for your kid. It's just, it wasn't for us. Right. Mm-hmm. But I've sadly always said it's going to take a celebrity kid for mm-hmm. people to really know about this. Right. It's true. So, um, and you know, I volunteered raising money for Cure SMA for mm-hmm. God, 10 plus over 10 years. And, um, you know, we would do, oh God, all kinds of stuff. Walks. Um, we did them in Arizona. We did them in California. We did them in Texas. Um, we did bowling tournaments. We were big. We did this big bowling tournament every year and our, all our friends would come, all our friends, kids would come. And then I turned 40 and, um, <laughs> I had this vision of my 40th birthday of what it would be like. And, I had to put my, oh God, I had to put my dog down right before my 40th, which was my firstborn, which was just horrific. And I remember my friends and family or my friends coming to get me and I didn't want to go out because I put the dog down and I was just, woe is me. And we got in the limo and we ended up at my parents' house. And I'm like, I get out. I'm like, why the hell are we at my parents' house? And all I could think of is there's a dog. Oh my God. And like, a friend of mine that I met in Northern California answered the door and I'm like, Oh my God, why are you here? What do you, and all I could think about is there's a dog in the backyard. I'm not ready for a dog. I need to pick up my own dog. And she's pulling me through the house and I'm like, no, no, no. <laughs> and the door's open. There's this big party, which I'm like, okay, cool. It's a party. They, my beautiful friend, Melissa, my Mel, she has this unbelievable heart. She thinks of everybody before herself. She puts everything everyone in front of her needs. She did, she raised $40,000 in 40 days for my 40th. And they presented me with this big check. It was huge. And it had the SMA logo logo on it and everything. And while that was amazing, and I cannot thank her enough for that gift of being able to give Cure SMA $40,000. I felt like at that moment in my life, I'm like, I have a scarlet letter I can't get off. Mm-hmm. It's my 40th and I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. And that's when I had to close the chapter. Again, you know, you kind of have to, you're in uncharted waters and you have to help the family and friends navigate through the uncharted waters. And that was the catalyst of me saying, you know what? I got to close this door. It's time mm-hmm. for me to put this book on the shelf and to keep going. And so when I, God, now I got to say when I turn 50, um, I told Jake, I'm like, we're going out of town. We are going away. I want like, we're going out of the country because I just didn't want any surprises. I didn't want any, like, I just needed to be able to control the narrative. And, um, Mm -hmm. so yeah, I, I did. I, in fact, they came and met, um, 
the Cure SMA people came to Dallas one time and met me and they're like, we want you to be the president of the chapter. I'm like, oh my God, I don't know. And Jake was wow. like, I don't think you can do this. I'm like, I don't know if I can. And so I, yeah, I was very, and you should be active in some sort of charity, but there's also, if you need to close the book on that, there's no mom guilt with that either. Mm-hmm. Book, I did it mm-hmm. 10 plus years, raised a lot of money, did a lot of education on it, but I, I needed for my own sanity to close that book and put it on the shelf. Mm-hmm. So. Yeah. No, there's not. No. I feel like emotionally drained. I can't imagine how you feel if you're just like reliving all of that. How are you? Are you okay? Um, it's Super Bowl Sunday. We're gonna get our time. Yeah. <laughs> it's Taylor Swift concert day. Yeah. <laughs> Have y'all seen on Instagram where they're like, Good luck, Taylor's boyfriend, and they're doing yeah. all the decorations with the balloons. I'm like, Jessica would do that. That's so good. <laughs> I just know that there's like a lot of chief, like diehard chief fans are all like butthurt about like Taylor going to the games and stuff. It's like, calm down. She's making your asses relevant. Right. <laughs> She's raising cared, a lot she of money. She's raising exactly. a lot of money for that team. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, thank you so much, Courtney, for joining us. And now all of our listeners have a voice and a face mm-hmm. to put with uh, Courtney stories. Mm-hmm. That'll continue to happen. Suggested that y'all get loaded on the podcast and drink. She did. Yes, she's the reason we have geriatric happy hours. Yeah, uh, yeah. You like made that suggestion, and then it was like the next week. We're like, welcome to geriatric happy hour. Might as well. (laughs) Might as well do it next week. No, but I mean, I didn't even know. Like, I just knew like bits and parts of the story. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, from like what I've heard, like from what Adam has told me, like little pieces of like what Robin has shared and little bits of like you, but it's like one of those things that it's like, I had, I never like really dared to like ask, you know? So, wow. Like, I just, I don't know. Thank you for opening up. Listeners, it's a good learning experience is, you know, I've known Jessica, God, how, when did when you showed up in that cute little outfit on Easter? (laughs) My God, I look like (laughs) such white trash. Oh my God. This photo is so embarrassing. I almost Wait. think we should post it on the show notes just for shits and giggles. It's a good, it's a good photo. Oh um, my god, I looked. Was like, that when so you met cute. the majority of Adam's family, or? Yes. So I show up. This is actually a funny story. This is this is a good happy note to end on. So um, I had just moved there, and like Adam and I both, we think we we both got the norovirus. So I got sick first. It hit me first, and then it hit Adam like twenty four hours later. So like the night before I'm supposed to meet all his family, it was like around Easter time. And like the night before I'm about to meet all his family, um, I am like, like both ends, like sick, Mm -hmm. like I'm throwing up in the toilet, I'm throwing up in a trash can, sitting on the toilet, like talk about sexy, like this, Mm -hmm. Adam, I just, like, we got close real quick. Like (laughs) the whole, like being afraid to like poop in front of each other went out the door because there it is. Like, Mm -hmm. sorry. (laughs) Um, So I was water chicken nobody goes to water burger well, so i thought well i thought it was i thought it was whataburger but like and so to this day because that's what i remember throwing up so to this day mm-hmm. i can't eat it like, oh my god like just the thought of it makes me so gross grossed mm-hmm. out like um but i don't know i i just like talking to um adam's cousin abby like when i was explaining to her 
how it like hit us and stuff. She's because mm-hmm. it's very much like clockwork, I guess it's kind of like how norovirus is. And she's mm-hmm. like, it kind of sounds like that versus like food poisoning. Um, so anyway, I was like up all night, like just yak my brains out the next morning. I'm so weak. I'm so dehydrated. I'm like shaking to like put my makeup on. I'm trying to curl my hair and I'm like, <laughs> and Adam's like, if you want to stay home, you can. And I was so tempted, but I was like, I don't want to be like that. Like, Oh, his new girlfriend's in town and she's, Oh, but she's too sick to come to the family gathering. She can't meet everybody. Cause I know that that's that's the perception I would have had if it was like, you know, anybody else. I'm like, no, I'm going to, I can figure this out. So I show up with Pepto and a koozie and I'm wearing like these like ripped skinny jeans with these like, oh God, there it is. Do you see this? That's how Jessica showed up. What the hell is that? You had a big smile on your face. But look at the like comb over. Why is my hair so aggressively to the side like that? Like what is happening? You you had the Justin Bieber before Justin Bieber had the Bieber. Oh, it was totally a Justin Bieber. (laughs) It was so out of control. Wait, 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 wait. hold up, hold up. Yeah, look at the boots. (laughs) Yeah, here's the other part. This belt, the boots, like what is happening? I don't know what is happening. Every accessory I owned it was on my little body at that point. And I'm just like all excited to be there with my Pepto and a koozie. It was awful. Like it was, I felt so bad that that was my experience. I ended up leaving early because I was like shitting was all over the place. Good thing you had a black toilet, Courtney. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> but my point, my point for the listeners is I've known you since 2011. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You didn't know the ins and outs of my story. I have uh-uh. did not know the ins and outs of your journey until this podcast. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we keep the game face on and we act like everything's great and everything's perfect. And we don't help our family and friends navigate in uncharted waters. So while you're trying to be strong because you don't want to go through like, God, my life, this is shit isn't enough. And I've got enough drama. Let your friends and family know what's going on with you so they can help. Mm -hmm. And it's, Mm -hmm. you know, and even if you have to say, I just need to hear from you. I'm listening. Don't Mm -hmm. comment. Just let me, let me get it all out. Let me vent. Let me be, just don't try to clean. Like, don't pick up the pieces. Just let the pieces Mm -hmm. fall on the ground, leave them on the ground. I need to vent, need to get it out. Okay. Now I feel good. Good. Can we go have a cocktail now? Yeah. Let's go have a cocktail. Like just Mm -hmm. talking like, you know, it, it, Broke my heart. I didn't know everything that you and Adam had, had gone through until this podcast. Mm-hmm. I'm glad mm-hmm. it's taken this podcast to get it off, to bring it out. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we all need You know help. what I didn't Yeah, you, you know? know what I didn't realize until literally right now when you said that is like I feel like also I feel like sometimes the reason why I do like keep it close and like I'm so guarded with like like telling everybody is because yeah, I don't know that I want to hear anything back. Like, I don't know that I want to hear the, like, I'm so sorry. And I'm like, like, some, mm-hmm. like, I don't know that, like, I think maybe I keep it in because it's like, I don't want to hear anything about it. If, yeah. So I don't know. I'm just like realizing that in this moment, like, mm-hmm. cause it's like, what are, what are they going to do with that information? It's just going to make them feel bad. And then it's like an awkward place. And then we're going to be mm-hmm. stuck. But it's not about, about them. It for a while. It's about you. Right. The release. Mm-hmm. And that's mm-hmm. why you have to start by saying, okay, I'm going to tell you something. You want to know what's going on? You can't mm-hmm. just listen, mm-hmm. let it happen, mm-hmm. and then just say, "I'm here." Mm-hmm. And that's it. Mm-hmm. And that's it. You have to kind of be the boss of your own, yeah. You know, emotions mm-hmm. for everybody else. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> I'm just laughing at that fucking photo of me. And it haunts me. She sends this like every, it's like quarterly. This like photo of me pops up and I'm just mm-hmm. like, God, it's awful. Oh my God. It's I just wish so I was awful. like a fly on the wall of like <laughs> all of this happening. It would have been. You know what's funny so too? You know what's funny is wasn't it the, um, was it the Spurs? Was yes. it the Spurs? Yeah, they were playing. So the theme, because I like a good theme. The theme was mm-hmm. white trash um, Easter bash because we had gutted our pool and mm-hmm. everything was torn up. And so I was like, okay, we can't have a pretty Easter theme with this pool. Oh, we'll do white trash. And but so Courtney- I had a up toilet in the back, ironically. <laughs> um, I couldn't use that. But so no. <laughs> because I'm from San Antonio and Adam and Sean and everybody are from Dallas, they think the Mavs, which we know mm-hmm. according to the record, are not as great as the Spurs. So we would give each other grief all the time. So they were like, oh, you're going to do a white trash party? We're all coming dressed as Spurs players. I'm like, yo. (laughs) (laughs) But here's the thing. Here's the thing. If if people knew that that was the theme, they'd be like, oh, good. She's like, that makes sense that she dressed Mm -hmm. that way. Courtney, I wasn't trying to dress white trash. (laughs) Did you know the theme was white trash? (laughs) Yes. And I was like, I was like, no, but I'm going to dress cute because this is how they're first meeting me. I don't want to look white trash. And mm-hmm. I looked the most white trash out of all of them. Mm-hmm. Like that was Jessica thinking she looked cute, not white trash, but she actually looked white trash. I remember I think thinking like next, I wasn't. I think that's your next um, coffee talk <laughs> is y'all need yeah. to do throwback Thursday. Since you come out on Thursdays, you can do geriatric yeah. throwback and you can have throwback pictures. <laughs> <laughs> We've got some good ones, as I'm sure you so would embarrassing. Oh my god. Yeah. Like I wish I wish that I could say like, oh, it's because I was dressed on theme. No, 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 no. That was that was me thinking I wasn't dressing on theme and I was looking cute. Yeah, I made a pinata. I filled full of booze. Remember that? Yes. Unfortunately, you couldn't partake. No. (laughs) Your toilet thanked me. Mm -hmm. Well, not really. Nobody else could use the bathroom to white trash barf because Jessica. I remember, I don't remember who it was, but like somebody, um, it was like one of your neighbors, I think, went went in the bathroom after me and my face was like, I was like, I was like, oh, somebody, somebody's not feeling well. I just, uh, like, I like tried to play it off like it was somebody before me. I'm just like, well, I don't know what's going on in there. Might want to light a candle. Oh, that's funny. All right. Well, thank you for listening. Be sure to tune in next week. Follow, subscribe, rate, and review. Tell a friend. We need your support. All of your support, please. For more information, you can check out our website at www.geriatricmamas.com. You can also follow us on Instagram at geriatric underscore mamas, on YouTube, geriatric mamas, Twitter, or X, geriatric mamas, and follow our group page on Facebook. Guess what it's called? Oh, geriatric oh, mamas. There it is. <laughs> if you have a topic idea you'd like to discuss, are interested in being a guest, or simply have a funny geriatric story to tell, you can submit your inquiry by going to our website and clicking on send us your story or be our guest. Bye.